First Peter chapter 4, we're going to read uh, this scripture this evening, and we've been uh, spending this month going through uh, in our midweek service a series called, and it's asking the question, property of, and there's a question marks there, because we have to realize and understand that the things that God has entrusted us with, that he's made us managers and stewards of these things. We have different types of properties, different types of things that we've been going over. We've been talking about, about family, about you know, God-given ministry. And tonight what we're going to talk about is time, being stewards of time. But before we get into that, I have another scripture we're going to read. But we're going to read 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. And this is the series scripture that uh, we're going to be focusing on all this month uh, in our midweek services. And the Bible says this, As each has received a gift... Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. If you're gifted in this place, if, if, if you have been gifted with, with multiple gifts and you're someone that's just known as someone who's very talented, you know what the purpose and the reason for those talents and those gifts are? It's so that you can serve others, so that you could serve one another. That's the purpose. It's not for your own selfish gain or for, for how far you can get, but the Bible says, according to God's word, it's to serve one another. They should be used to serve one another. So tonight, as we talk about being stewards of time, to being wise stewards of time, uh, the scripture that I want to read here is uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17. We're going to read that, and then we're going to pray that the Lord helps us and continues to help us tonight. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 and the Bible says this it says so be careful how you live the Bible saying be careful take considerate thought take consideration with how we live be careful how you live don't live like fools but like those who are wise make the most of every opportunity in these evil days don't act thoughtlessly but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Bow your head with me as we pray. Lord, we come before you this evening, God. Father, we just depend on you this evening. We call upon you, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, Father. Lord, you know what each one of us have gone through today, God. You know in what condition we walk through these doors, Father God. But we come into your presence, Father God, humbly, just asking for your help and for your strength, Father God, that we would be wise managers with what you've entrusted us with, my God, because it's all given from you. Father, I pray that you would give us the wisdom, that you would give us the strength, Father God, to manage, Lord, what you've entrusted us with, my God, our families, Lord God, our lives, and Lord, yes, our time. Father, I pray for anyone in this place that is carrying a burden, God, and that you don't uh, plan or want them to be carrying. Father, I pray right now, Lord, in faith that, Lord, that, that they would release that to you, my God, that you would, Father God, just give them your grace and your strength, Father. And we just thank you, Lord, for all that you're going to do tonight, my God. We thank you for speaking to our hearts, Father. We thank you in advance for all that you're going to do. We ask in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. So the Bible says, be careful how you live. Be careful. Don't be foolish. Don't be careless in the way you live. The Bible says be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And how many can agree with me that these days are just crazy? Can you say amen? And the things that we're hearing about on the news, the things that we're seeing that are going on in our nation, in our world, it's, it, it, just, it just makes you wonder what's, what's going on. 
the, the days are evil, the Bible says. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So as we talk about being wise stewards of time, a steward is this. Utilizes and manages all reserve, uh, reserves God provides for the glory of God and the betterment of His creation. So we utilize and we manage everything that God's given us. Why? For the purpose of glorifying God and, and, and bettering His creation. We, we talk about time. According to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, here are, here are the, the averages of how people spend their time each day. Okay, this is in hours, all right? Sleeping, 8.7 hours. Leisure and sports, 5.2 hours. That's right under sleeping right there. Working or work-related activities, 3.46 hours. Household activities, 1.78 hours. Eating and drinking, 1.2 hours. Buying things, 0.75 hours. Caring for children, 0.72 hours. Civic or religious duties, 0.32 hours per day. So there's a variety of ways that we spend our time throughout the day. But we have to understand that when we talk about time, we have to understand that time is a gift. It's a gift that God has entrusted us with each and every day. If we're blessed to be here tomorrow, if we wake up and there's breath in our lungs and we have another day, that day is entrusted to us by God. That time is given to us by God. And when that time expires, when that day expires, it's gone. So we have to be wise stewards with our time. We can't be careless. It's a valuable gift that God has given us. He entrusts us with it. So the question is, what are we doing with that time that he gives us? Like all of God's gifts, we have to be responsible to use it and to spend it how God wants us to spend it. I mean, you could say this about finances, right? We have this conversation about finances. We're stewards of our finances. God wants us to, to be careful how we spend our money. He wants us to use it for his glory. And, and it's the same with time. Maybe even more importantly, because once time is gone, it's gone. We have to be responsible with the time given us and use it and spend it as God wants us to because we have to understand that once it's passed, it's gone. So as we talk about time, the first thing I want to look at tonight is the area, the topic of, of idleness, of being idle. Now, what is being idle? To be idle is to be without purpose or effect. Another word is pointless. To be idle is to be without purpose or effect, or to be pointless. Now, brother and sister, God doesn't want us to be idle. He doesn't want our lives to be without purpose or without effect. He doesn't want it to be pointless. This is a universal thing that I think we could all agree on. Perhaps you're in this place or you're hearing my voice and you're not walking with the Lord right now, but this still applies to you. God doesn't want your life to be pointless or worthless. First and foremost, you have to come to realize that you need God. That the very life that you have, that Jesus died for that life so that you can live in eternity with, with God in heaven. God saw, you, saw us so important that he sent his son to die for us. You're valuable. The life he's given you, the time he's given you is valuable. How are you going to spend it? God doesn't want us to be idle. 
Now, there's a story here as we talk about this topic of, of being wise managers uh, of our time, and particularly about idleness. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, the entire chapter there is, is relevant to our story, but I'll, I want to read just verse 1 through 4. And this is a story of King David. King David was, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. God used him profoundly. God used him mightily there in Israel to be a king over God's people. But there was a season in his life where he became idle, and I want to look at that here. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. The Bible says this. It says, In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, okay, that's key. When kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. It starts off like that. When kings, the season of kings normally going out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight uh, the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, again, listen to this. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Verse 2, late one afternoon after his midday rest, Okay, we're painting a picture here about what's going on in David's heart in the season of his life. Late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of bed and he was walking on the roof uh, of the palace. Midday rest. He probably took a good nap. How many appreciate a good nap, right? There's a time and place for it, but here is David. Late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Uriah was a man in David's army. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period. Then she returned home. And the story goes on to say that, and we, and we understand the story. We heard the story in, in, in Sunday school, right, where David sends Uriah. She becomes pregnant, and he can't hide this sin, right? So he, he sends Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, into the fiercest place of battle so that he would be killed. This was David's intent and David's heart. But where did it all start? We know David was a man after God's own heart. He was, he was being used by God powerfully. He was, he was in a place of position and power, anointed by God to be king of Israel. But what happened? Idleness happened. There are so many lessons here that we could look at, that idleness can topple the greatest among us. If we think that we're untouchable, if we think that, that we've come so far, that God has brought us so far, that, that, that we're untouchable, that nothing can stop us, we have to be careful if we find ourselves in a place of idleness. If our day is filled with very little and it becomes to become pointless and there's, there's, there's no effect and there's no, no uh, intention in your life or throughout your day, be very careful in those seasons, in those times. In the spring of the year, when the kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israel, Israelite army to fight. Why wasn't David going out to battle? This was a season where kings normally go out to war, but he sent someone else in his stead. 
And then in verse 2, after his midday rest, he was restful. He was idle. And that is the moment that temptation came that he wasn't able to overcome. That was the moment. It was during, during his idle state. So brother and sister, if, you ever, if we ever find ourselves in a place of being idle, there are seasons in our lives, right? Seasons where we're very busy and things are going on and, and we just pray for some rest. God, just give me a few hours to rest. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. There's a purpose and a plan for rest. Rest is not bad. We need rest. We need R&R sometimes. But it has to be with purpose. God's called us to rest at times. Even the Lord rested when he created everything, right? Creation, the seventh day he rested. But it's different than being in a place of idleness, a state of being point, pointless and without effect in our lives. See, King David neglected his business. If he was at war with his army, he would have been out of the way of temptation. When we are out of the way of our duty as Christians, as believers, as children of God, as sons and daughters of God, when we're out of the way of our duty, we are in the way of temptation. You have to be careful when you're idle when your day is filled with no purpose and you're just you're twiddling your thumbs you have to be careful because that'll be the time when the enemy comes and tempts you with those things that that God has saved you from when we are out of the way of our duty we are in the, the way of temptation idleness is an unproductive place it's an unfruitful place it's a dangerous place for you and I. See, God desires that we would be intentional with our time and understand that it is a gift. Talking about being intentional uh, with our time, I want you to do something with me. I want together for us to count to seven, okay, to the number seven. Let's do it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, short amount of time, right? Seven seconds. I read this, this article, and I want to share it with you. It's called The Seven-Second Rule, How to Avoid Being an Easy Target. And it goes on to say this. It says, it can take a seasoned criminal less than seven seconds to size you up, to decide whether you would be easy to rob, assault, kidnap, or whatever else is on their mind. In the time that you and I counted to seven just now, a predator would have, been, would have given you a once over and decided whether he was going to move, he or she was going to move forward to attack or whether they would be looking at the person walking behind you as his next potential target. Seven seconds. A seasoned criminal. Some redeemed seasoned criminals in this place, I believe, tonight. You know what I'm talking about. Thank God he saved you. You know, you're no longer a criminal. But you know what I'm saying. Now listen to this. In, the article goes on to say, In 1981, sociologists Betty Grayson and Morris Stein conducted a now-famous study that cast new light on how assailants picked would-be targets. The researchers set up, uh, set up video cameras on a busy New York sidewalk and taped people walking by for three days between 10 a.m. and noontime. The, ta the tape was later showed to inmates in a large East Coast prison who were incarcerated for violent offenses such as armed robbery and murder. The inmates were instructed to rate the pedestrians on a scale of 1 to 10 from a very easy ripoff, a very easy victim, to I would avoid it, it's too big of a situation, it's too heavy. 
And this is the basis for the seven-second seven rule. Now, this article went on to say and give some pointers of how you can, be, uh, uh, you can minimize your chances of being assaulted or pointed out, or, 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 or pointed out by a predator. Now, here's one of the things, the way that, that people walk is something that a predator will look at the very way someone walks. It talks about stride length. And, and the recommendation of this article, take it or leave it, but I'll take it, right? I don't want to be a victim. Stride length. Take forceful, dynamic steps that convey assertiveness and confidence. See, the, the very way that you walk out there in public or whether it's a late night and you went to the store and you're walking to your car, how do you walk to your car? Are you aloof, mindless, looking down, not, not aware of anything going on in your surroundings? But this says to minimize your chances of being a victim, take forceful, dynamic steps that convey assertiveness and confidence. See, being intentional. See, we're talking about being idle. We're talking about idle, uh, being idle and connected with temptation. See, the enemy is always looking for an opportunity to trip you and I up. Can you say amen? He's looking for your vulnerabilities. He's looking for the time that, that you're down and out, that your guard's down, that maybe you're discouraged or maybe someone said something bad to you so, so you let your guard down and you're just, you're open to whatever. We're all human and we can get to that place. The pedestrians in the study who were categorized as difficult to assault had a medium stride length when compared to their, their body height. When they walked, it looked effortless and natural. It goes on to talk about posture, about your posture. Your posture tells the world a lot about you, and it's an easy fix. If you have bad posture, it's an easy fix. Chin up, spine straight, and shoulders back. Looking around, taking in your surroundings. See, these are just a couple of tips. If you do these things as you go about your day, you're going to be less likely to be victimized by an assailant. And it's the same. It's even more important in the spiritual. How is our spiritual posture? Are we aware? Are we prayed up? Are we in the Word of God? Are we doing what God's called us to do? If we're resting, we're being intentional with our rest, but we're not just twiddling our thumbs. God gives us a certain amount of time each day, and we could spend it however we want, but God's called us to be wise stewards with our time. And if we're idle, we have to watch out. We have to be careful. See, when you and I are idle and unaware of our enemy, we become easy targets. Oscar Beanpong said this, success operates in active moments and not in idleness. God hasn't called us to be idle, church. And talking about resting, we need rest at times. We're human. We need to rest. God doesn't want us to run ourselves ragged, to, to run ourselves into the grave, so to speak. But there's a time for rest. Be intentional with your rest. Don't be idle, but rest. Proverbs 12, 24. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. So God hasn't called us to be idle, church. We have to be wise stewards with our time. The other thing, when we talk about time, there's something called procrastination. How many of you have ever heard of this? In some time or another, we've all procrastinated in things. Now, there's a scripture here that I want to read uh, as we talk about this procrastination. Uh, John chapter 9, verse 4. Jesus said this. He said, he said we must uh, quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming when no one can work. God's given each and every one of us a responsibility. He's given us 
priceless, valuable responsibility in the four walls of our home to be wise stewards with our family as we learned about this month. Because the night is coming when no one can work. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us. What has God entrusted you to do? It's evident in the word of God. We have to be a light in this dark world. We have to share his word. We have to be faithful to the ministry that he's entrusted us with. We have to be faithful leaders of our homes. We have to be faithful in our community. We have to be faithful in all things God's called us to be faithful. And if he's given us a task to do, while it's in your power to do it right away, do it right away. Get it done. Check it off your list. God didn't call us to procrastinate. We have to make the most of each and every day. Now, when we think about the question of why do we procrastinate, this applies to your job. It applies to, to your family. It applies to ministry. It applies to every area of our lives. Well, why do people procrastinate? An article I read, a South African neuro-linguist uh, uh, programming coach and founder of Inter... Um, Intergenerative coaching, Warren Munitz, he explains that procrastination is a strategy of avoiding something we unconsciously perceive is uncomfortable. That thing that, that's been on your list that you just haven't done, why? It's probably because it's uncomfortable to you. You're perceiving it as uncomfortable. We're perceiving it as uncomfortable. The human instinct to avoid pain is the strongest instinct we have because it is connected, as we think, to death, right? No one wants to put themselves in a place where they're going to feel pain. So what do we do? We procrastinate. We put it off till tomorrow. We avoid things because unconsciously we feel as though it's connected to pain and suffering and we would rather seek pleasure, Right? How many know when you're going to roll your sleeves up and get to that task, perhaps, man, it's just time for a nap. I need just a little break. And you never get to it, right? Or something else comes up, or you, you, you want to do something else that's easier. You'll leave this hard thing for later, but you're going to knock these other few small minor details in your life. You're going to knock those off the list, and we put it off again and again and again. Unconsciously, we feel as though it's connected to pain and suffering, and we would rather seek pleasure. It is a pleasure-seeking side of humans combined with our inherent fear of failure and self-doubt that drives procrastination. It also tricks our rational mind in thinking that delaying a small amount of short-term pain, whether saving money or eating healthy or seeing a doctor when a pain arises, won't lead to severe long-term consequences, but it often does. God didn't call us to procrastinate. If there's something in your power that God's entrusted you to do, while today is called today, do it. Perhaps he's been laying on your heart that you need to make a phone call, that he's been laying someone on your heart. Or perhaps it's just to pray for them, to spend a moment and, and lift them up in prayer. If they're coming to your mind, it's for a reason. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Can you say amen? The Holy Spirit leads us will show us who to pray for, when, when to pray for them. And we may not always understand why. It's okay. But in faith, we do it. Don't procrastinate. While today is called today and you can get it done, get it done. And as we do that, God will get us one step closer to where he wants us to be in our lives. 
Proverbs 24, 30, the Bible says, I walked by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one with no common sense. I saw it was overgrown with nettles. It was covered with weeds, and its walls were broken down. God didn't call us to be lazy. He didn't call you to be lazy. We live by his strength. We have to lean on his strength. If you ever get tired, okay, rest, but get up and do what God's called you to do. God's called you to be the leader of your home. God's called you to be that parent, that mother, that father to your children. Be the best parent that you could be with what he's given you. Don't procrastinate. Don't put it off. Teach your children what it means to not procrastinate. Be an example to them. If perhaps it's in ministry, get to it. Get to work. Roll your sleeves up. By God's strength, you will be successful and you will get it done. But you have to take that step and you gotta, you got to stop procrastinating. i got to stop procrastinating. This relates to all of us, church. We're talking to be about being wise stewards with our time. See, we're all guilty of procrastination one way or the other. But the fact is that God's given us much to do in our short time here on earth. And it is a short time. It is a short amount of time. Think how fast time is going by. So what are some things we could do to help us to not procrastinate? Here's a few things. I want to go over them. If you're taking notes, write these things down. Break tasks into manageable steps. Sometimes we procrastinate because, because the duty, the task in front of us is insurmountable. It seems huge. Like, my, my goodness, it's a mountain. How am I going to scale that mountain? That thing is so huge. So you don't even start. We don't even start because it's too big for us to do, but we have to break tasks into manageable steps, into subtasks that you can easily complete. Commit to a tiny first step. Work on it for just two minutes, perhaps. Whatever that task is that you've been procrastinating with and you've been afraid of and you haven't even started, spend two minutes and work on it and take that first step. Give yourself permission to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. Make it easier to do things. Prepare everything you need in advance. Perhaps you, you've been desiring maybe to, to get into exercising or you want to get up early before, before the sun to exercise. What are things that you could do? Well, maybe perhaps one thing is you could get things ready the night before so that when you get up and you're tired, everything's there ready for you. Make it easier to do things. Make tasks more enjoyable. Listen to music while you're doing them. Make it hard to procrastinate by removing potential distractions. Delay before indulging the impulse to procrastinate. Put a delay on it. Set deadlines. That's a good one. Set deadlines for yourself. Decide that you'll complete a certain task by noon tomorrow. Set definable deadlines. Plan on how you'll handle obstacles. Decide that if X happens, then I'll do Y. Identify and address your fears. Increase your motivation. Marking streaks of days in which you achieve your goals. Increase your energy by taking necessary breaks. Improve your environment by adding reminders of your goals. Use social techniques. Emulate a role model. Use time management techniques by alternating consistently between work and rest. Create starting rituals. All right, I'm going to count down from five, and I'm going to go for it, and I'm going to do it. Create starting rituals. These are just a few things that we could do to prevent procrastination in our lives. But 
first and foremost, and overall, God will give you the strength. We have to rely on his strength. Trust in him. Ask him for help. Ask him for help for that, for that task. He's a strategist. The Holy Spirit will reveal things to you. He'll give you strategy. He'll download these things to you. All we have to do is ask. Doesn't the Bible say if we need wisdom, just ask for it? What does the Bible say? That he'll gladly give it to us. He'll give you his wisdom. You just have to ask. You know, our knee-jerk reaction when we have a question, right? We Google it, right? We, go, we type that question out, and here comes the Internet, and it gives us the answers. What about Jesus? What about the Holy Spirit? Ask him. He'll give you heavenly wisdom for your life. Thank you, Jesus. So we have to be wise managers, wise stewards with our time. God doesn't want us to be idle in our lives, and he needs to help us. We, we need to ask him to help us in procrastination. And lastly... We have to plan. We have to plan. We have to be planners. We ha there are many benefits of wise planning. In Habakkuk uh, 2, 2, the Bible says this, Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that the runner can carry the correct message to others. Write my answer plainly on tablets. Write it down, another version says. Make it plain. You believe in God for something in your life. Perhaps there's, there's a task that you believe in God to do, and, and, and you've, you've committed, you know and understand in your heart that God wants you here in 2023 to get that thing done. Plan for it, my brother and sister. God will give you good success. In Jesus' name, God will give you good success for that, whatever that, that, that is on your heart, whatever he's given to you. Perhaps it's, it's ministry-related. Perhaps it relates uh, to your job. Perhaps it relates to your family. Plan on it. See, the worst thing we can do is just constantly think about it. We, we ponder it, but we never take those steps of action. You have to take that step, that first step. And how many know sometimes that's the hardest thing to do? Take that step. Plan. Write it down. When you write it down, you see it. When you write it down, it's there in front of you. When you write it down, you can go back and reference it. What was I thinking about or what was I going to tell myself to do? Write it down. Make it plain. This is a part of planning that we can't overlook. God gave us the Ten Commandments. He wrote it down in stone, in tablets, right? The children of Israel, he gave it to them. He gave it to us. The Ten Commandments, he wrote it in stone. He wrote it down. They needed to see it. He gave us the written word of God. It's written down. It's plain. It's in front of us. You want to know the will of God? We look here in the Bible and the Word of God. We understand the Word of God. We understand the will of God. Why? Because it's written down in black and white. It's right in front of us. What does God think about this subject or that sub subject? We look in the Word of God and it's written down. It's plain and it's without question. Write it down. The Word of God is written down. It's written in our hearts, but it's written down here in front of us as well. You can go back. You can look at it. If you have to refresh yourself with the promises of God, you open up your Bible and you learn it. You memorize it. You apply it to your life, but it's written down. Write it down. Imagine if we didn't have the Word of God written down. People would just be doing what they think God wants them to do. Oh, I think that God is thinking this, or I think God wants us to do this. But we have the Word of God that we can also always go to because it's written down. Thank you, Jesus. We thank God for his word. Amen. Set a date. Talking about planning, set a date. If you put it on calendar, it's going to come.
And it may be you put it down for next week or for, for next month or for six months from now or for next year, but if you put it on calendar and by God's grace you, you reach that, that time is going to come. If you're planning on something, set a date. Put it on calendar for it will come when it's on calendar. Take that step and start. Start. That step may seem the, the most minuscule, small step that you can take, but if it's a step forward towards that goal, towards that vision, towards that thing that God wants you to do, you're taking a step in the right direction. Perhaps it's a step of reconciliation with someone. Perhaps it's a, it's a step for that promotion at your do- job. Perhaps it's a step into ministry. Perhaps it's a, it's, it's, it's a step into to, to pastorship. Whatever it is, take that step. Start. Start it. One way or the other, start it. Start that, perhaps it's it's an application process. Perhaps it's that application that you have to put. Perhaps it's opening that book to study for that test that you know that's coming up. Start, just start somewhere. Set realistic and measurable goals, things that we talked about. For example, here's a bad instance. I'm gonna study for this Friday's math test. Sounds good, right? But it can be better. What's the good rendition of that? I'm going to study every day and then meet with the tutor on Wednesday to prepare for Friday's test. Which one's better? The second one, because it, it measures it. It gives you tasks midweek, things to do every single day. I'll read it one more time. The bad way, I'm going to study for this Friday's math test. Very nebulous, very fluid, right? That could mean, okay, I'm going to study for five minutes, but something more succinct is this. I'm going to study every day and then meet with a tutor on Wednesday to prepare for Friday's test. The second sounds success, successful to me. And as our worship team makes her way up, we're talking about planning. In all these things, we could talk about planning. We talk about goals. We talk about visions. We talk about being stewards with our time. We have to understand that first and foremost, God is sovereign over everything. His will, we pray that his will would be done. I have many goals in my heart, God, that I, that I want to do, but, but God, I want them to align up with your word. If it's not for me, if it's not your plan for my life, Lord, don't let it come to pass because I don't want to be filled with sorrow in my life. I want it to line up with God's word. So God is sovereign in all things. Understand that God is sovereign. Yes, we need to be responsible. We need to plan, but we have to understand that his will is sovereign. Psalms 37, 23. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. That should be your prayer for your life. That should be my prayer. God, direct my steps. If there's a place in my life, Lord, that's hindering me, I pray that you would help me to get out of that thing or you would lead me in the right way. That you would lead me not into temptation, but into life, into righteousness. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. So this month, as we focus on whose property is it, we have to understand that we're managers with everything that God's given us, that we're stewards. And yes, we're stewards with our time. If you realize how fast time is going by, you don't have to look much further than your children. Parents in this place, can you say amen? How they're growing up, right? Right before your eyes. Day by day, 
they're growing up, or perhaps it's your grandchildren, or, or even the littles around our church that you see. You see them growing up. Time is going by. We have to redeem the time. We have to count it as valuable, as a gift, that God's called us to, to, to be a manager over it. There's much for us to do, brother and sister, and by his power and his strength, we'll get it done. But we have to apply these things in our lives. We can't procrastinate anymore. I believe God's speaking in this place tonight. Man, there's something, you've been on the edge of, of taking that step, but for some reason, you just haven't done it. It's time to do it. It's time to do it today. To come up at the altar when we have that time in just a moment, make a commitment to the Lord that you're going to do it, that you're going to obey. Perhaps, perhaps this week, we're already midweek, but you're going to start that application process. Perhaps before the, the end of Friday evening, you're going to make that phone call that you've been putting off for years and years. You're going to follow up on that person that God's been laying on your heart. You're going to pray for that person that God's been laying on your heart. While it's in your power to do good, that blessing that you've been wanting to, to bestow on someone, you're going to do it. You've been putting it off. Don't put it off. There's a reason why God's laid it on your heart. He wants to use you to bless someone else. And it's timely. There's a time and a, and a purpose for it. Don't put it off anymore. So we have to be wise stewards with our times. We can't be idle. We can't procrastinate anymore. And with God's help, he'll give us the wisdom to plan. And while we plan and we apply these things, in Jesus' name, we'll have good success. Can you say amen tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Let's, get, let's give God praise in this place. <laughs> Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, Father God. We receive your word tonight, my God. Thank you, Father God, for your grace for your mercy and for your truth, Lord God. We just praise you, my God, and we humbly come before you with every head bowed, every eye closed tonight.